Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Welcome to another edition of Geek Vibes Live Interview. I'm your host, Martin, and in today's show, we'll be talking to science fiction fantasy writer Lindsay Burroker. Uh, I first discovered Lindsay's work uh, earlier this year, of course, because of the pandemic, we had a lot of free time on our hands. So I was going through a number of different books and uh, I've enjoyed her series very much. I'm actually in my fourth set of books from her. Uh, And uh, I decided that I needed to talk to her and find out exactly uh, how she goes about her work. So I'm happy to introduce Lindsay Burroker to Geeks 5 Live Interview. How are you doing today, Lindsay? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on your, is this a podcast or? A... Yeah, it's, yeah, this will be on our podcast. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to connect with you and hopefully I will give you some interesting information or at least not be too boring. Oh, I, I doubt it. I've read your books. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so let's go ahead and start from the beginning. Uh, when did you take an interest in writing and who were your favorite authors uh, growing up that made you think that I can do this? I was always, my mom was a big reader, so I was, she had me reading by the time I was three or so, and I was an only child, so after dark, you know, you had to come in and stop playing with your friends, and there was not much else to do except for read, so I got the bug early. I started out reading a lot of uh, kind of historical stuff, Laura Ingalls Wilder and all those books you read as a kid, and Jack London, so some of my fantasy now has some of those kind of colonial and I don't know frontier America kind of inspiration and then I found fantasy and sci-fi as a teenager and I did not read anything super literary you know I read like David Eddings and all the Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance books uh, I read all the almost all the Star Trek adapt you know like the, the spin-offs that were out at the time and uh, found Lois McMaster Bujold, uh, her Vorkosigan series in my 20s. And that was, uh, she's definitely an inspiration. I've read those a number of times. And I think that was the first person where I thought, this person really, this is kind of how I like to write, you know, a little bit of humor, serious stories, but just a lot of fun also. So I guess that is my inspiration. You said, now, I noticed, like I said, I discovered actually your writing uh, earlier this year, of course, when the pandemic thing all started. Uh, so I had a lot more free time on my hands. <clears throat> and I got your first book, and I noticed they called it Space Opera. And I noticed it was actually on your website. So it was that a term that you gave for your writing, or was that something a term that somebody else gave it? Well, that's kind of a genre, the sort of the genre that Star Wars is. It's they came up with it inspired like the old westerns and uh i guess um soap operas kind of a a sci-fi version of that i think was sort of the inspiration so it's it's been around for a while and it's just i think it's one of those things that publishers and agents and editors use to classify things more than readers but um yeah that seems like the closest match for the categories on amazon for like my star kingdom series so that is uh what i i'm going with that (laughs) we'll call it space opera (laughs) Well, see, and actually, that was the part of the reason why I first started reading you is because I'm a big romantic at heart, but I'm also big in the sci-fi, like I said, just like you. I read all these Star Trek pocket books and all that, uh, but the fact that you mix sci-fi and fantasy with a, a little bit of romance was kind of up my alley. 
So your Fallen Empire series was the fir- my first introduction to your writing, and I got the the omnibus, the first three uh, story omnibus, and I got it for free. Now, of course, to me, this was sort of like the shareware software version where they give you the first one to get you hooked, and then you'll bu- they want you to buy the rest. And that's exactly what I did. I got the first three stories, and I said, well, I, I got to know what's going on next. So I bought the, the final uh, five. Uh, so is that something that uh, was set up for you or that uh, you set up, or exactly how did that uh, distribution kind of play and work? Um, I am always willing to give away the first book or first couple of books for free because exactly like you said, I'm always hoping like if people try my stuff, you know, uh, whoever it's a good match for will want to go on and hopefully buy the rest of the series. And I often have, you know, seven, eight, nine novels in a series. So even if the first one doesn't necessarily make a lot of money or the box set in this case, you know, there's I can make the money on the later books in the series. And I always feel like I'm. I don't know. I, I tend not to quite write exactly what's trendy or popular or <laughs> to trope or market or whatever you want to call it. So I, I feel like I'm really willing to kind of sort of give away something for free so people can try it. And if it's not their thing, no worries. They can just move on and they didn't lose anything. But if they enjoy it, you know, a lot of times they'll become a fan and go on and read lots of stuff by me. Right, which is pretty much the case. What I was at, and matter of fact, I was first reading your, or actually, I was listening to the audio books when I was at work because I do a lot of work outside, so I, I'm by myself a lot. Uh, and after I listened to the third book of the Hidden Empire series, I was out in the yard of where I work and ordered the next bunch because I had to know what was going on. Uh, speaking of the audio books, as far as who reads your books, do you have any say in that, or does? Uh, uh, the company decide who reads your book? So both of my uh, sci-fi series, uh, Fallen Empire and Star Kingdom, are produced by Podium Publishing for the audiobooks. And they usually give me a little bit of input. Like, um, I know with Star Kingdom, I told them for Casimir, you know, he's my roboticist professor, kind of geeky hero, that I didn't want a real, like, deep voice or tough-sounding ta- guy. So they found um, Fred Berman. Who, who I think is a really great match for Casimir, uh, since he's kind of the main character that drives that series. And I, so I, I get some feedback. Usually they kind of pick in the end, but they, they've been uh, really good to work with, so I don't have any complaints. So, uh, yeah, I loved Fred Berman's uh, rendition. I thought, of course, I, I really relate to Casimir because I was kind of the nerdy uh, person when I was a kid into comic books. Still am, actually. I write reviews for comic books, <clears throat> mainly for Geeks Vibe Nation. Uh, so I, I really loved how he did uh, uh, Kashmir. And I also thought it was interesting. He seemed to take a little different approach to the female characters where the normal inclination would be to you know raise your pitch for a female character. He really didn't do that. He just sort of softened his voice and then applied whatever accent the, he thought the character had. Uh, and I thought it worked very well, especially for that story between... Uh, you know, Kim and switch it because I, when you're reading that many different books, I, is there a big space between like you know when he's re, uh, recording books one through three and books four, five, six, and seven? I guess I think eight has not come out actually on the audio book for Star Kingdom series. Thank you. Uh, but uh, is there a big gap in between as far as when those are recorded? There are some gaps. Uh, most of these guys that do the narration are also like on Broadway or have other gigs. So they're kind of working in between their schedule. 
And because I tend to release the eBooks as soon as I have them ready, because I don't want to hold something, you know, <laughs> once it's ready to go, I want to get it out there so people can read it. So they usually don't get the manuscript with that much in advance. And so they get it and they, they schedule it for when they can. But um, I do know that as we're recording here in December that they are working on that final audiobook. So hopefully I'll get a date soon. Uh, the last couple in the series went quite long. So they're, they're pretty, <laughs> pretty sizable audiobooks to record. And so I know that, uh, you know, of course, I listened all the way to book eight. And then, of course, I didn't have the audiobook for book eight. So I went ahead and read the book eight. But when I read it, all I hear is uh, Fred Berman's voice. And when I, as I'm reading it, because of that, that's what I got used to. And see, and that was another thing, actually, on the Fallen Empire series. I had gotten so, so used to Kate Redding reading for that one. So when they, I read the, the follow-up story uh, dealing with, um, well, me, me and names are just horrible. Uh, Marlena, his, her daughter. Uh, and the narrator had to do... Leonidas, and because I had gotten so used to Kate, kind of threw me off listening to somebody else uh, doing Leonidas's voice. Uh, I got over it because I really loved the character, but but it was just sort of weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, I wonder, and I don't actually know how they go about that, uh, why they decided to change narrators, but, you know, it may just be that um, Kate was busy with something else, or they decided since it was a different heroine driving the story that maybe they would go with a different style voice. But um, I know when I do my own audiobooks, because I actually, I have a narrator I work with on some of them and I produce them or she produces them, I should say, her and her person. I, you know, I've been sticking with the same person, but I, you know, we have a good relationship now and I can kind of reserve her in advance. But, um, you know, when you're doing it with a publisher, you have a lot, you do have less control over who they pick and uh, who they want to work with. So I, I don't know. Hopefully it wasn't too jarring. Um, I know that I have that experience too, because I, I love audiobooks. So if, if somebody else was suddenly reading the story, I'd be like, oh man, <laughs> it's not the same voice. Right. You know, and it shouldn't be that big a deal. It's not like on soap operas where they won't change actors for a character, but uh, it's just, just different enough for me, for, for me to notice. Okay. So now speaking of the, you know, the books that I have read, uh, you seem to always have a what I would like to call a cynical counterpart to the main character in, in all the ones I've read. Like for Elisa, there was uh, Micah, her engineer. For Marlena, there was Eric. Uh, for Kashmir, of course, there's Kim. And even in your uh, your Dragonblood series for Sardell, there was the Soul Sword Jaxie. Is that a a thematic theme that you like using, or is it just coincidence, or exactly how do, how does that? work out there because uh, it seems to be a very common thing. I would say that I have sort of a, a few character types that are kind of like me in some way. So it's really easy for me to create characters like that. And of course, some of my sarcasm in here tends to be a little deadpan like that too. So I'm not sure it was conscience, but it doesn't surprise me that you would notice that. Um, also, when you want to do the humor, it helps if you kind of have the opposing personalities a little bit so that they have some differences and things to clash over and tease each other about. Sort of the uh, straight man, funny man, tradition, you know, classic comic duo setup. So, yeah, and I think that actually worked really well with Kashmir and Kim uh, because right, if there's ever a straight person, it was Kim. And Kashmir was, uh, well, they call him a doofus, but uh, uh, he was uh, very goofy, like I said. And again, Fred Berman did a great job of bringing that out. Um, so, 
you are prolific as all get out as far as writing goes. Have you got anything uh, new going on right now that you can talk about? I am finishing up my Death Before Dragon series, which is the urban fantasy that I've been focusing on this year in between writing the last couple of Star, King Star Kingdom books. So I'm going to be starting, I think, going to do epic fantasy next I for 2021. I haven't uh, started writing the first chapter yet. I'm finishing up this other series first. And I'm also thinking of returning to the Star Kingdom universe, maybe to do a new hero, but kind of bring in some of the old characters, you know, like a new trilogy or something like that. Um, some of my, uh, some of the readers have definitely asked for more with um, the main event, <laughs> who is, uh, I don't know want to spoil anything for your readers, but sort of the, almost a villain type in the original series who's, uh, you know, had a ch not exactly a change of heart, but a change of uh, circumstances, and he's actually been a super popular character, and he's pretty fun to write about, too. Yeah, so uh, I look forward to that, because like I said, that was, that was one of my favorites. Um, Okay, so like I said, I'm going to kind of keep this short, but I've got a final rhetorical question for you. Okay, so your, your writing has reached the attention of um, you know millions of fans, myself especially, uh, and a film production company comes to you and says, we want to turn one of your series into either a, an animated or a feature film. Which of your series would you think would uh, might be best adapted or suited to adaptation? I do not know. I think that I originally wrote the Star Kingdom series thinking of it almost as a television, like a TV season. It's all sort of one story, but sort of episodes within that. I'd, I'd honestly be kind of afraid to hand, hand Kashmir over to Netflix or Hollywood or anybody that would turn him into like a classic action hero. Right. He doesn't, I don't think he shoots anyone or kills anyone throughout the whole story. Uh, you know, he's really more inspired by that kind of MacGyver type that, I'll figure out a way to get us out of this, but I'm not going to hurt anyone. No, he didn't even want to program his robots to hurt anybody. Nope. Uh, you know, and that was, uh, I, felt, I felt good internal conflict for him whenever somebody was sort of hurt or killed as a result of his actions. Because he just was a really gentle heart, you know. Yeah. So I, I would be a little afraid that they would uh, turn them into like a Han Solo, you know, shooting the bad guys. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that also would be kind of fun. You know, I don't know how many seasons they'd want to do where you could get out of the stories. But I, I do feel that I kind of write these longer series that would be hard to turn into just one film. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely, if they, if they asked, I'd be open, of course. Uh, but I feel like as an author, you hardly ever get any say in what they actually do with the work if you do give them the right to produce it. So it might be a little scary, but, you know, hey, if it uh, gets you some more people, like more fans that then go on to check out your books, it's probably worth it. Okay, well, that's really all I've got for you. And I so appreciate your time. Like I said, uh, I'm a big fan and uh, I'm actually saying I'm right now in the middle of the Dragon Blood series while I'm waiting for the audiobook for uh, Star Kingdom. And uh, we will keep following your work and hopefully talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I'm, All right. No hopefully problem. people <laughs> will enjoy something. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh -huh.